The healthcare industry has undergone transformational change in the past 10 years, especially as it relates to the implementation of technology. Even so, there's much more to do and many companies are out there doing it, but you don't know about them. At Intrepid Healthcare, our podcast will bring you the crazy ones, the rebels, the troublemakers, the ones who see things differently. The people that are crazy enough to think they can change the world in healthcare. So sit tight and enjoy as we tell the story of another thought leading trailblazer. Welcome back to Intrepid Healthcare. I'm your host, Joe Lavelle, and I'm really looking forward to this conversation with another innovator that is leading the charge to bring telemedicine to the mainstream. We're going to get right to it today. We're joined by Dr. Richard Bacalar, Managing Director of Advisory Healthcare Solutions for KPMG. Dr. Bacalar, welcome to the show. Well, thank you very much, Jim. Thanks for making the time to be with us today. Before we begin our discussion, could you take a few seconds and tell the audience about you and your background? Absolutely. Well, thank you um, for the opportunity to speak to your audience today. Uh, I'm Rich Bacalar, Managing Director in our National Healthcare Practice for Advisory for Telehealth and uh, Telemedicine. I spent uh, 25 years in clinical practice as an internal medicine physician and uh, internist um, and uh, had the opportunity of transforming the Navy uh, two decades ago for ship-to-shore telemedicine activities. Upon my transition to the private sector, I joined IBM and was their chief medical officer and worked on projects around uh, medical imaging and telemedicine opportunities. Subsequent to that, I joined Microsoft and worked in their health solutions group as a physician executive working on clinical intelligence and data analytic opportunities for clients in the U.S. and internationally. And about three and a half years ago, I joined KPMG as part of the Global Center of Excellence and now lead the U.S. practice for telemedicine and telehealth. Great. Thanks so much. Could you give us a 10,000-foot overview of what you're doing at KPMG? Absolutely. Well, KPMG is... Um, has long been involved in uh, healthcare and life sciences and uh, has spent the last several years uh, focusing on how we can help uh, transform the industry from the uh, business models around fee-for-service now to uh, value-based purchasing models in healthcare. Part of that solution is represented by new delivery models such as telemedicine and telehealth. My role is to help advance that agenda working with my colleagues around data analytics, working in patient privacy and confidentiality with our HIPAA practice, working with our other colleagues working on the um, electronic medical records and meaningful use agenda as well. So we look at this as a comprehensive transformation opportunity in healthcare, working with our our clients in these different uh, areas of challenges and opportunity as we move forward. Perfect. Thank you. Let's get started with this one. How has telemedicine evolved over the past decade? Well, telemedicine has evolved in several directions. Historically, it was all about supporting underserved populations with specialty services where they weren't immediately available. So, for example, when I was in the Navy, we had ships with good primary care but didn't have access to the specialty care or medical imaging access on a similar basis as they would back in the United States. That model has grown over the years, particularly in rural and underserved populations. But recently, we have learned that telemedicine and telehealth can now support not only the underserved remote locations, but also help with cost containment in our health systems 
and also around improving quality, which has now become a major agenda topic as we reform our health systems going forward. So it really helps in the entire triple aim agenda now, not simply in the access concern. Great point and good segue. How's the role of telehealth and telemedicine evolving related to the healthcare payment reform? Well, it's interesting. Telemedicine historically has been limited by many of the U.S. state medical boards for both safety concerns and by the public payers for concerns around affordability. And so a lot of the limitations have been created that have limited the adoption of telemedicine. So, for example, most medical specialties that use telemedicine have had what we call a non-fee-for-service model where they had to find alternative means of supporting the programs or projects that were in place through the use of more efficiency or through increased market share to achieve a good positive return on their investments. We're starting to see now that public payers are recognizing the value of telemedicine through a number of projects that have occurred over the last couple of decades. And so adoption now at the public level is increasing. And so we're starting to see more limited fee-for-service models emerging. But I think the real excitement for healthcare is going to fact that as we move to bundled payments and affordable care and other models which are driving quality agendas, Telemedicine can really have a significant impact because it can really project specialty services and even primary care for unplanned events much more efficiently, more effectively, and much more affordably when compared to their alternatives in the hospital emergency departments or even clinic visits. Perfect. What is the difference between telemedicine projects versus programs for health systems? Well, that's a great question. One of the things we've seen, we've had many pilot projects and proof-of-concept projects over the years, and many of them have shown very strong promise, high satisfaction by the consumers, very high satisfaction by the providers, but really have not been sustainable and have not scaled because of the fact that they haven't had the similar kind of program discipline that other service lines within hospital systems and clinics have had over the years. And so the ability to create a integrated solution that provides support both in the leadership level as well as the operational support is critical for these programs to become sustainable and scalable. And part of that has been the lack of the business models that I mentioned earlier, which are now becoming much more readily available. And we anticipate a very significant increase in the activities in those organizations that have taken the next step and created programs around innovation of which telemedicine, telehealth can be a big part of that innovation agenda. In our pre-show banter, we talked about both being involved in this for over 20 years, and now is the time that it's really gaining form. Why is now the time? Well, I think there have been three major trends that have really created a lot of excitement and activity around telemedicine adoption. Number one, and first and foremost, I think the consumer now is ready and is actually expecting and demanding that technology be utilized in ways that they've been very accustomed to using it in other areas of their lives, such as online retail or financial networks or entertainment, any of which they've been using online activities through their cell phones and through tablets or through their PC portals. They expect their healthcare providers to provide them the same kind of access and the same kind of decision support that they've gotten in these other areas of their life. So I think the consumers, now that they're having a more of an accountability through the purchasing of health plans online and also through the employer-based health plans, they recognize that telehealth and telemedicine should be part of their option profile of delivering and receiving health services. 
Secondly, I think the healthcare industry itself is becoming much more ready for this. There's growing evidence through scientific and other studies that have demonstrated that telemedicine telehealth is equal or better than face-to-face type encounters. And the concern over providing a lower level of care, I think, has been diminished as evidence continues to grow that this is becoming an acceptable and actually a preferred route in some situations. So I think a provider acceptance and adoption, I think, has been another key and important part of this agenda. And finally, I think most importantly, I think sustainability is dependent on the business models of healthcare. And so what we're learning is that there are now specialized organizations that can help health provider organizations deploy and create a successful telemedicine program, as we've described, not only from the programmatic side of the house, but also from the service provider as well as the technology. This is truly a people process and technology challenge, not simply a technology implementation challenge. And so as organizations become available for support such as ours in terms of the professional services to help organizations make this transformation, we see a lot of professional services from the clinical side being available to help organizations have a turnkey solution for telemedicine services. For example, Telestroke is a good example where there are now neurology specialists who are available outside of individual healthcare systems, which can help organizations create a turnkey telemedicine stroke program very easily and very affordably and with a very positive ROI. And then finally, we have the technology vendors who now have created very sophisticated and more mature technology that have allowed providers to become much more self-sufficient and capable of driving a telemedicine program. Outstanding. Two of the other favorite topics in addition to telemedicine on our show are big data and predictive analytics. What is the role of data analytics for telemedicine programs? Well, that's a great question. And one of the things we find in our healthcare transformation is the fact that as we move from fee-for-service, which is basically a volume-based agenda with also efficiencies from the cost perspective, so it's volume divided by cost, is where we are in the fee-for-service model. We're moving to a bundled payments and a value-based agenda where we're looking at not only the volume of activities and services, but more importantly, the quality of those services. And in order to demonstrate and be able to attest to the quality, we have to be able to measure those activities, those services that are being rendered. And historically, we've had access to claims data through the activities of claims processing and through payers. But we really haven't had a lot of availability of clinical information that's necessary to confirm the quality outcomes of some of our targeted projects. And so as electronic medical records become more widely available now, and as we have business intelligence solutions that are extracting clinical information and financial information and being able to help providers now understand the quality and the outcomes of their services, we can now justify the investments that are being made in not only telehealth, but our healthcare system more broadly. But I think telemedicine and telehealth will be benefactors of this business intelligence agenda that's moving forward and help justify some of the investments that are being made and actually expand and grow this practice as a routine integrated capability within most health systems. I was so excited when I found out you were going to be a guest because you have so much good experience in telemedicine. The next two questions I'm going to ask you to not look backward, but look forward. What's next for telemedicine? What does the next six to 12 months look like? 
Well, I think it's a very bright future. I mean, the reason I say that is because we're not only seeing the provider community adopt telemedicine, we're also seeing the consumers, like I said, drive telehealth activities. In fact, we're seeing consumers not only being willing to adopt the telehealth online activities for lower acuity, unplanned events such as colds, infections, where they can just use their phone or they can use their tablets to access a patient portal from a trusted, branded organization and obtain clinical information within minutes of requesting it, using a credit card to pay for it, or using a copay or a payer's support for these telehealth activities. So consumers now are willing to use their discretionary funds to adopt these convenient access points for telemedicine. We're also seeing kiosks become available in employer sites, retail sites, and actually even in other areas of community-based care, such as retirement facilities or skilled nursing facilities, for example. And so the ability to broaden the access to telemedicine, not only to remote locations, rural locations, but to areas that have underserved populations or populations that would appreciate and would be willing to subsidize these new convenient access points for the telemedicine services. But I think even more importantly than the access issue, I think, is we're starting to empower and engage patients more directly, not only through the access of these new tools, but also through education and through tools that allow patients to become much more involved in their own personal care. So self-service tools that could be under the umbrella of telehealth are also an opportunity to reduce some of the unnecessary visits in our clinics and allow the doctors to spend more time with the patients who need to be there. So I think we're going to see a combination of Models that we've seen in the financial networks where no longer are consumers sitting in line at bank tellers waiting to make a transaction, but they're able to use their phone or their tablet or their online access to their banks to be able to get the services they need independently with the personalized financial information tools and advisory services that may be necessary for them to make those right decisions. Well, I think in healthcare, that's going to happen with the consumer market as well, where consumers will become much more self-serving where appropriate with health advisors and health coaches advising them to keep them on a path that's going to help improve their health behaviors and provide them a healthier lifestyle. And finally, I think we're going to see providers be willing to integrate telehealth services within their practices. I think we're going to see more community-based multi-specialty clinics with physicians who are not only on-site specialists, but also provide a hub site for telemedicine services throughout the network within the health system that they belong, but perhaps outside of their health system as compensated advisors where there are underserved populations of specialty services in remote locations. So I think we're going to see a redesign of our health system away from the acute care setting to the community-based access points for specialty clinics. In fact, in my own home community in Denver, Colorado, our health system here has eight satellite locations with multi-specialty clinics in which consumers can actually go to their local satellite multi-specialty clinic and get the services they need. And I envision in the future that those will again become hub sites for telemedicine services to even more remote locations within the state, for example. So I think we're going to see new delivery models. We're going to see consumerism. We're going to see an integrated capability of telemedicine, similar to what we've seen in radiology, where we no longer call it teleradiology. It's just radiology at a distance. And that's what I think we're going to see in the telemedicine arena as we go forward. Your last couple of comments really zone in on my next question. I see the next couple of years as 
the implementation stage, but how is all this activity going to evolve and mature in five years? What does the maturation look like? Well, I think there's a lot of wild cards that are going to influence the pace of adoption. Certainly, I think the, the payment model reform is going to have a major impact on the pace in which some of these promising uh, solutions will be adopted. And I think it's a matter of understanding how much the consumers will drive this adoption, similar to how they drove the advancement of ATM machines way back in the 1980s, where at that time, ATM machines, for example, were very specific to an individual bank, and you had to be on an ATM of your own bank network to be able to do a transaction and receive cash from your accounts. Consumer driving integrated networks allows us now to go anywhere in the world and use any ATM machine and have access to your own bank account and be able to remove cash from the ATM machine and currency of the country you're in. Imagine if we had ATM-like machines in healthcare where a patient could go to any kiosk and be able to get information or even perhaps get prescriptions refilled from their own health record, irregardless of what kiosk system they were accessing. I think this type of tight integration is going to be a critical part of making this widespread and routine in our health system. I think another aspect of this is going to be, again, the practice of healthcare is changing dramatically. And I'll give you a good example, telestroke, which is one of the most common activities in the telemedicine arena, particularly in our emergency departments in remote locations. Telestroke in the past has been basically time-sensitive in terms of when patients were treated with clot-busting medications. And the thought was if you were able to treat someone within several hours of when the onset of symptoms were occurred, you would get a good result. What we're finding is that every patient is a little bit different from an anatomy perspective and from the size of the clot that's obstructing the blood flow. And so what we're learning is we need to reconsider how we uh, treat patients based on their specific anatomy and based on their specific problem. And the way to do that is to use sophisticated analytics of imaging systems, such as CAT scans, which are done routinely for patients with stroke. And we can actually re-stratify patients based on their own personal needs for treatment, not based on arbitrary timeframes, which we've used in the past. The effect of that kind of a stratification is we can more personalize or precisely treat the patients who are going to benefit and not treat the patients who are going to have untoward complications. And so I think... As we understand the health systems, we can use these sophisticated analytics in the cloud and use telemedicine services remotely to be able to provide timely but more precise treatments for patients. And I think this is going to be another aspect of integrating the improvement of science of healthcare with the opportunity to use collaboration tools and documentation tools that are known and, and, and commonplace in the telemedicine arena. Wow, you just articulated it exactly how I thought of it and how I lived through the teleradiology era. We went from silos to an integrated environment, but you said it much better. I really love your answer there. Thank you so much for that. Absolutely. Well, I think this is an area that is going to be ripe for advancement. I think it's in the spotlight today. I think in the past we've called this telemedicine because it was simply video conferencing at a distance, but I think telemedicine today is much broader than that. It represents patient engagement. It represents provider empowerment. It represents efficiency and the triple aim accomplishments. It represents all of those things when employed in a programmatic way with improved governance, with adequate processes and standardization of processes to ensure equivalency or improvement of care rather than diminishment of care. 
and finally the leveraging of the existing technologies that have been used not only from the collaboration perspective but from the business intelligence, understanding what's effective, what's not effective, and the appropriate use of technology. And I think that's where medical boards and Medicaid payment programs are going to be very focused over the next several years to assure that they're using their resources most efficiently to get the best results. Exactly. Dr. Bacalar, as we finish up here, before I let you go, where can people go to learn more about the work of your great team at KPMG? Well, thank you very much. Well, KPMG prides itself in not only providing quality services to our clients, but we also provide a wealth of research in the healthcare space. And as I mentioned earlier, I'm part of the Global Center of Excellence for Health, in which we provide not only U.S.-based research in healthcare, but also international research. And all of this content can be attained through our kpmg.com website, looking under industries and, and selecting healthcare. And from there, you can find a wealth of information regarding white papers, a list of services that are available, as well as contact points for our organization. But I welcome the opportunity to work with clients who are interested in advancing not only the virtual care and telehealth agenda, but their health care transformation in general. Thank you so much. Dr. Bacalar, it's such a great pleasure to have you. Thanks for stopping by and sharing your wisdom with us. My pleasure. Thank you. Sure thing. And that wraps this broadcast. On behalf of our guest, Dr. Richard Bacalar, I'm Joe Lavelle, and we'll see you soon on Intrepid Healthcare. Mm-hmm.